0: It's the Good Advice Show. We're sitting down today with Dr. Michelle K. Johnston as we talk about the seismic shift in leadership. You may have noticed it yourself that leadership's a little bit different today than maybe it was 20 or 30 years ago. It's no longer about power, control, and fear, and it's all the more about connection. We're talking about that new era of connection and how to get the most from your team. But before we jump into this interview, here's a word for one of the amazing businesses in our area. Back to our episode soon. Stay tuned. Are you looking for one of the best places to eat here in Northwest Arkansas? If you're a foodie like me, you have your short list of places where if someone's visiting, you're like, hey, we got to try this place. I want to tell you about big, sexy food over in downtown Springdale. And whether you're getting something like just their awesome burger, which if it's me, I'm going to double up on that, or if you're getting their Nutty Buddy burger with a little crunchy peanut butter on there, the food is always so freaking good. In fact, there's a reason they have so many five-star reviews on Google. One of the reviewers said, I recommend every single person try this restaurant. You can easily close your eyes and randomly point at something on the menu, and I promise it'll be delicious. When's the last time you heard about that for one of your local restaurants? Hey, check it out, Big Sexy Food in downtown Springdale. You can also go to BigSexyFood.com or check them out on social media at Big Sexy Food. Check it out. You won't regret it. Hey, we're living in a world where you may be wondering how the heck in a world of post-COVID remote work, how do I keep having a team that can have successful results? In fact, you may, be, you may be even be wondering, is it possible to manage a remote team and have them continue to have the same results that they had before COVID? And even if you have an in-person team, there's a lot of just uh, tension and drama that often comes up with, how do I have a team that can connect with one another and do well together? Well, you're in luck. We actually have a great episode for you today. We're sitting down with Michelle, excuse me, Dr. Michelle Johnston, who's the author of The Seismic Shift in Leadership. And we're talking about meaningful results for your team. It's actually not found in being a savvy business leader and knowing all the right answers or really being the most charismatic person that maybe you think you might have to be. It's all found in genuine human connection. And we're going to be talking about that on the show today. By the way, you can find this book on Amazon and anywhere else books are sold. And we'll have the link in the episode description below. Dr. Michelle Johnston, thank you for joining us on the episode today.
1: Well, Blake, thank you so much for having me, and hello to all of your listeners out there.
0: How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. It's a gorgeous day, and I'm flying to London in a couple of hours, so I'm really excited.
0: Okay, now there is a London, Arkansas, so oh, I'm just I'm just clarifying. You know? <laughs> I'm just clarifying that it is not you're not coming to my state. I'm coming to. Yeah, i flying okay. <laughs> across
1: the, the ocean, yeah. Because
0: that would be a low point for you if you're <laughs> coming to Arkansas, London, Arkansas. Sorry to our London, Arkansas listeners, by the way. I love your city. Um, well, Michelle, I I just so so the, the podcast in general, we talk a lot about various business topics, but my absolute favorite topic is the topic of leadership management. Um, you know, there's so much to unpack here. Uh, you know, old. stereotypes of like being the boss who's all about control, do what I say. And then there's kind of been, I don't know if revival is the right word, but like there's really been some great content in the last several years, but especially post COVID. I'm really excited to chat with you today and get some perspective on your approach to leadership.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm really thrilled. I feel like I have a mission now to help workplaces become more positive, more compassionate, and ultimately more connected. What I found through my research, because the book was about to be published in March 2020, and it was an entire book you know, titled The Seismic Shift in Leadership of what I was seeing on the front lines as an executive coach, the leaders who were failing and getting pushed out of organizations were subscribing to that old command and control all right. about or do what I say, top-down, hierarchical, one way. Um, Those leaders were no longer succeeding. Now, are they still out there? Absolutely. But what I was seeing was there was definitely a seismic shift going on. And I just felt this calling, like I had to get the word out that in order to be truly successful, it is all about connection. And then Blake, I had this book, sending it off to the publisher in March of 2020. And I said, whoa, whoa, hold on, on. hold on. I cannot (laughs) publish a book about connection because we were in the middle of all of a sudden lockdown. Nobody on the planet Earth that I knew of was connected, And so I, I asked the publisher, I said, I had no idea how long that, of course, I knew, who knew it would be two and a half years, right? But I said, let me circle back with at least half of the 18 global leaders that I interviewed initially for the book and let me figure out how in the world do you connect during a time of disconnection? So when the book was just fu- published February of this year, I think that I was so fortunate with the timing because we were all coming out trying to figure out, oh my gosh, how do you connect? during the time that is still, and it's not going back. Let's be honest, this hybrid work environment, we're all trying to figure it out. And it does take intentional, meaningful connection.
0: So I love this, you know, um, you know, Michelle, you've been a management professor, you're an executive coach, you know, you're, you're this leadership expert who's worked with so many incredible individuals. When you first started talking about the power of connection, like, I feel like when this topic gets broached, Sometimes people give kind of like um, a raised eyebrow of like, oh, great. Here's like that, um, the emotional crap or like the, like, let's talk results. But something I like about you is you're talking about that direct connection between the connection, ironically enough, the connection between human connection and how that actually brings more financial success. So I'd love to hear more about like how that kind of started And kind of like what, as you started sharing this message, were people jumping on? Were you having to not convince, but maybe, you know, really explain people what you meant? Like, what what were those first days like for you?
1: Yes. I remember when I first, I'll take you all back to probably at least eight years ago, when I first realized that, that there was a seismic shift happening and I, I hadn't even started writing my book yet. And I was delivering a bunch of speeches and I was up in front of JP Morgan and the president, of JP Morgan, and this huge audience. And I, I at that time, the presentation title was Compassionate Connection. Mm-hmm. And I remember literally beginning the presentation, getting dry mouth and kind of sweating a little bit thinking, this is an audience that might not be receiving this message well. Because JP right. Morgan, right, was very much hierarchical command and control. And I was trying to tell them what I was seeing that it's got to be more about listening and less right. about directing and telling that the the one-way transactional way of communicating was no longer effective it had to be reciprocal you had to really kind of flip the 80-20 rule and do you know less yeah. talking and more listening so i'm trying to push this out there about 8 years ago and really really nervous about it and then i went and did it into auctioner a big client of mine again same feeling that i had i was super nervous because i recognized that the title was so soft Yet I knew I had such a conviction that we had to shift to a more servant-based leadership, more about listening, more about connection if we were going to succeed. And so I then realized years later that and you're absolutely right. It is about results and Mm. connection drives results. And now all the research is showing that, but I had to frame it differently. And I think framing it like the seismic shift in leadership, if we're going to succeed right now, we have to reimagine how we meet, how we connect, and how we enact change. And I truly believe that in order to go fast, you got to go slow. And you got to build that trust, that psychological mm-hmm. safety, and you have to embed it into your meeting rhythm. You have to embed it into your one-on-one times. You have to make time just to lift up a coffee cup on a one-on-one with your employee and say, I really want to hear about your recent vacation and let go of business. Yeah. No, strings attached, just, and no yeah. strings attached. And really show a genuine care and compassion. So I think I had to reframe it so that it wasn't perceived as soft and that it was perceived right. as this is the way to get results.
0: Yeah. I, I it's so funny to me how often these things get called soft skills, and yet they they have a bigger bang for your buck in terms of the outcomes of your business than literally anything else you can do. Um, but he's like, Oh, yeah, those soft skills. But they're like you're pointing out, they're they're essential for a business that wants to not just survive through something like COVID, but who wants to continue to thrive regardless of the circumstances, right?
1: Well, everything has changed. And it's interesting. I teach leadership at Loyola and I taught last night and I had a great guest speaker who's actually in my book and he's the founder and CEO of a construction company called Max Home. And his whole motto and mission is happiness, Hmm. And and so he's speaking to my students, and, and and it was more of a conversation. I don't even want my guest speakers to be command and control. I said, I don't right. want you coming in with a PowerPoint presentation up in front. I said, I arrange my students in a circle, and we have a conversation. Yeah. And so we're sitting there in a circle, and he said, you know, he said, you realize that so many people tell me that they can't have a, a happiness culture, a culture that's based on happy employees, happy customers, because of their particular industry. He goes, gang, I'm in construction. Yes, (laughs) And if I can do it, anybody can do it. And he said, I've got an honest question for you all. How many of you all before you took Dr. Johnston's class thought that this connection culture piece was, was just fluff? And so many of them raised their hands and said i thought it was so soft i thought it should just yeah. be all about profit and results these are all business students right i thought it should be profit and results but but she got our attention and he said yeah you can still be the manager the leader who demands results And has, you know, he goes, I I really lead in construction. I'm really a leader of of sales and marketing organization. And they have very, very hard metrics Mm -hmm. to to achieve every single month. And if they don't achieve those, I hold them accountable. Being a, a, a company that focuses on positivity and happiness has nothing to do with being soft on results. It has everything to do with that's how you it's the how it's how you drive results. And we have to do things differently to still get the results we want.
0: You know, there's this topic of like accountability and like how do you hold your team accountable? In fact, it's one of like the most commonly um asked questions regarding like podcast content. Like, how do I hold my team more accountable? And it's so interesting how people they look past the fact that this this conversation you're talking about of like building trust, of building connection actually makes the accountability conversation easier. Because that trust is there, as opposed to a team that's disconnected, you know, you feel like the boss is micromanaging you. It's just interesting how these things are often seen as mutually exclusive as opposed to hand in hand.
1: That is exactly what we were trying to deconstruct last night is so many of the students just thought in order to get the results you want, you've got to be tough on your people. And he's like, no. And this is a very demanding founder. I mean, you know, he's, he's very successful and he demanded results, but he begins every morning asking his executive team going around, give me one thing that made you happy today. And I said, so do you always have to be happy? He said, no, if your dog died, tell people your dog died and you're really sad. And that's okay too. The point is, we want to focus on bringing your best self to work every day and show appreciation to one another, you know, give shout outs, you know, tell us what really makes you tick. We he said we begin every meeting with that. We have a happiness conference every year. He said our Christmas party. He goes, it's all about levity and fun. He said, I can't tell you, he, his topic last night was how to connect during the pandemic as, and to share with the students how he was able to succeed and still focus on happiness during the one of the most depressing times in world history. You know, And he said, because we still showed up and we showed people that we cared and mm-hmm. we cared about them as humans first and foremost.
0: Mm-hmm. That's now, how we got results. You, you mentioned a couple of times just how, and I love listening to you, by the way. It's like, you can totally, I can totally feel the, urgency that you have on this message. And you've said it a couple of times of just like, I had to get this message out. Like I had to share about this. Uh, wh- what was the the point that you were like, I have to, like, was there, was there an event in your life? Like what, what caused you to step into this moment of like, not just aha, but now I need to do something about this.
1: You know, I, I thank you. That's a great question. And, and there was a year um that that i had the lightning bolt moment because this one particular year as an executive coach 3 of my high-level leaders ended up losing their jobs. That has never happened. I Mm. felt horrible. One was a COO, one was a chief general counsel, and one was an interim CEO. So whenever I begin an executive coaching relationship, I begin with the 360. My mentor is Marshall Goldsmith, and um, and a fantastic mentor. He's the number one executive coach in the world, and he really kind of put the whole whole executive coaching title on the map. Mm. And so you begin with the 360, and so I went back to the data of these three leaders to see if something jumped off the page yeah
0: and and i'm so sorry to interrupt but for our listeners a 360 is basically where um you ask people who work for you what they think about you and it's it's more uh data oriented than just that but it's called a 360 because you're getting a 360 view of really your place in the workplace um so i just want to give that data point for our listeners um dr johnson go ahead
1: Well said. Yeah. So I usually ask, I ask the leader that I'm about to coach, please give me 10 to 15 names of key stakeholders that are critical to your success. And I want to qualitatively interview them. I want to know, what are your blind spots? What are Mm -hmm. your strengths? What should you keep doing? What should you stop doing? What are your opportunities for improvement? What does success look like? So I ask all kinds of questions and I have these huge big data reports. So I went back to these three leaders and looked at the data reports and something just jumped out at me each of these leaders their team told me we don't trust them we don't mm. trust them and yeah. of course if you lose trust you're no longer seen as a leader and then when i went and really really went deep into the data i uncovered that the reason why their teams didn't trust the leaders each leader was trying to be somebody they weren't And it was different in each case. So one was an interim CEO, a really smart, strong woman who had been mentored for 20 years by her boss. She had been the COO under the CEO who was hard charging the 90s and the 2000s, unbelievably transactional and hierarchical and aggressive. And Mm -hmm. guess what? Back then it worked. And she's the interim CEO and she then becomes him. And it did not work at all. And then the other one was a um, a COO, and he had just moved here. And this is a place of deep connection. I think New Orleans is one of the cities. I'm not from here. I moved here as a grown-up for a job. I think it's one of the, the places that does connection better than others because we have so many rituals and traditions. So last night, I ran out after my class to go to the Saints game, right? So we have the Saints that bond us together. We have Mardi Gras that bonds us together. We have Jazz Fest, French Quarter Fest, Essence Fest. We are a festival city, a crawfish city, a swampy city. Sometimes <laughs> these rituals and traditions yeah. allow us these opportunities as as our community to truly come together th- with something that's that's beyond us, right? So this this particular COO had been a military brat and had lived in Germany and California, Texas, and landed here and moved way outside of the city, was allergic to seafood, didn't drink beer. Trained every day of his life for triathlons, Ironmans, whatever. And and here he's managing these people who were like, come over on Sunday. It's coffee season. We're drinking. You know, we're drinking. And he he put a wall up because he felt so uncomfortable. So his people were like, how in the world can we be led by somebody who's got a wall up? So that was my lightning bolt moment that that people who are trying to be perfect, whatever perfect is to you that are uncomfortable in their own skin. So they try to show up as somebody else. Perfection equals disconnection. And I'll say that again. That's what I learned. Perfection equals disconnection. So once I realized, whoa, if you're not connected with yourself, there's no way you can be connected with your team or connected with your company or connected with your community. And that was the lightning bolt moment.
0: And it's pretty, it's, it's for for people who are listening who maybe you manage people, or maybe you're stepping into managing for the first time. It could be incredibly intimidating because I I love that comment you made of perfection equals disconnection, because we do often have that perfect boss in our mind of who we want to be like, or, or we maybe have the image of that awful boss, that, I as long as I'm not that person, I'm doing okay. And I think it's just good advice. I think it's I think it's a relief for us as leaders to know that we don't have to be that perfect leader. But when it comes down, I mean, let's let's really just parse this back for a second if you could do more for your team by simply grabbing a beer with them and being human than being this charismatic, amazing leader, like think about the pressure that comes off you when you realize that. Uh, I I think what you're talking about is, I think what's really powerful about this is that anyone can do it. Like it doesn't take a deep degree in, in business or leadership to learn how to connect with someone.
1: Anyone can do it. I love that you just said that anyone and it doesn't take a high degree to figure out. Or to, it, you know what it does? You're right. It doesn't take a degree. It takes it takes a desire, mm. real desire to be interested in other people, to care about your people as full humans. And and I think when we were all in lockdown, all of a sudden using the, the Zoom and the Google Meets and the Teams. And we saw dogs and babies and unrenovated kitchens right. and children screaming. And you said you're a two and a half year old. So, right, you yeah. had a baby. If
0: we're lucky, so, she'll bang on the door at some point during this call. So. I'm sure. <laughs> and, and
1: what's beautiful now, I hope, is that we've all learned that we are fully human. And, and to be a great worker, you can't really compartmentalize. And just say, oh, this is now just the professional me. And I have to pretend like I don't have anything else going on in my life. My hope is that we now see the children and the dogs barking and the UPS man. And we're, we, ha- we have more empathy and compassion. Mm. And we see you as fully human and we appreciate that. And that's why I really do. You talked about advice and concrete strategies. I truly believe that when you have a team meeting on Zoom, and you're not in person that you really should begin with a connection question. And some people have in their head, like, oh, I hate icebreakers and they're <laughs> so, you know. I just I'm just talking about like, yeah. how was your weekend? Did anybody see the Saints game last night? Boy, we really didn't show up, you know, just something that is more personal that actually gets people talking. Um, one of the questions last night that Larry Kloss opened up in his guest lecture, and it rarely do guest lectures do this. He goes, I want to know about you. Go around, tell me your name and tell me what makes you happy. How perfect is that? His whole guest lecture was creating a positive culture, how to connect during a crisis. And his whole motto is you got to focus on happy employees if you're going to have happy customers. So he got to know the students. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Spend time getting to know your people and just ask them a question.
0: And you know what's so funny about this is your students, like whenever they finish your class, will probably never forget This person who came and might even be their favorite because of the power of intentionality. I mean, think about how hard it is in college. I mean, you're, it's, it's a tough transition for a lot of, of young adults, but that might be the first time in a long time that anyone's asked them what really makes you happy. And I don't mean that like in a, in a depressing way, but we, we just, we're such a transactional culture that when someone gets asked a question like that and they're able to finally share what's on their mind, what's on their heart, what have you, uh, it can go a long way. And it actually reminds me of a boss I had, you get a kick out of this years ago, who he would call and he would say, hey, Blake, how are you? And I'd be like, um, oh yeah, I'm good. He'd be like, great. Hey, so here's what I need. And it was it was like the um, thing you have to say to get to the point. And I think we all know the difference between the person who just signs the email with thanks for everything you're doing and hope everything's good. And then the person like you're mentioning who says, hey, what's going on? How was your weekend? How are you? And they create that pause and that space for you to, I, and you keep saying this, to just be human, right?
1: I love that. Yes, you're right. A lot of people just like, hey, how are you doing? Like, okay, blah, blah, blah. Oh, how, how's that? Been? Oh, okay, great. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm really saying one of the things that I learned about connection at the third level, of connection with your organization. I sat down with Warner Thomas who's the outgoing president of auctioner. He just took over at Sutter Health Health out in California and I said, Warner, I'm trying to figure out connection with the organization. Tell me what does connection with auctioner mean to you and how do you connect? And he said, you have to own your calendar. And I learned so much from him about having an operating rhythm and owning your time and owning your calendar and making sure you're meeting with who you need to meet with as long as you do and 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 how you're meeting. I had a client up in New York. I said, tell me how you're reimagining your meetings. And he said, I'm now taking walks in Central Park. And I'm telling them, if you want to see me in person, come walk with me in Central Park. It's the best thing that I've done. Um, and, and so owning your calendar to me is is saying, OK, this meeting that I have coming up, it's going to be 45 minutes and I'm going to make sure that I embed 10 out of those 45 minutes to really, really care and, and, and ask those questions and not just in a perfunctory way. And so it's you as a leader truly owning it. I'll give you another example. I have a great leader, Eden Ezell, that I coach, and she's the head of compliance. And she said, you know, Michelle, I work so hard on owning my calendar. She said, I- I've learned my natural rhythms, how I work best. So Monday mornings, I don't allow any meetings because I'm planning, 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 making sure I can be at my best for the entire week. And then Friday afternoons, I don't have any meetings because I'm spending time thanking, showing appreciation. Appreci- and following up. She said, and and what I realized is that I have all these one-on-ones with my direct reports, but the invitations were coming from me. And I was dictating that they were going to be every other week for an hour on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, wait a second, they should have, these meetings are for them. So why don't they have control? So I sent them an email and asked them, I want you to own these meetings. What do you need? If you're in town, do you want to meet at a coffee shop or at the office? Do you want to just have a telephone call? Do you not need to meet every other week. She goes, each of my direct reports wanted something different. And I'm so happy I asked because now they're getting their needs met.
0: And I love, I love how uh, the positioning in that conversation too, in the sense of who the meeting is for because I think many of us in corporate America can resonate with the monthly meeting where the boss sits you down and says, Blake, here's all the things that I need you to be doing, thinking about, maybe here's what you did wrong. And maybe, you know, the compliment sandwich, maybe it's all sandwiched in a, Hey, great job with that one project. But you know, you walk out kind of feeling like the, the sense of transaction that you're talking about that is very superficial and it doesn't really, and I love you're tying this back to also connection with the organization, because I think, I think in the world of post COVID, you know, we've had, we've talked about the great resignation. There's conversations right now on quietly quitting And we keep coming back to this conversation of engagement and it's like, Oh, how do we get them to drink the Kool-Aid? And it's just so funny to me, like the, the way these conversations go, when at the end of the day, what people most care about is a place that they belong to and they feel connected with. And these conversations that you're talking about, I mean, and for you guys who are listening, having an honest, authentic conversation with your team members will do far more than any, you know, strat plan that you, 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 Inform them of or, um, improvement plan or what have you. Um, which Michelle, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but uh, oh, I'm going to guess you do. Absolutely. But <laughs>
1: yes. So,
0: well, it's, it's, it's exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm totally, I'm, I'm drinking the Kool Aid of what you're talking about. I want to transition the conversation just a little bit because, you know, COVID, maybe for forever, this will just be a hot topic, but I have talked to, um, Leaders in a few different camps when it comes to remote work, and I love. And I, by the way, I totally agree with you that old model's gone. And for you guys listening, um, I'll go and say there's three camps. There's people who are desperately trying to hold on to the old model, and I will go ahead and tell you if that's you. I, I hope it works for you. But I've talked to more and more leaders, uh, employees who are burned out because their bosses are desperately holding on to that model. So there's that camp. There's the people who are trying hybrid or even remote and they're finding success with it. And there's people who are probably the bulk of our listeners who they want to keep the connection going, but they just don't know how in a world where your employees are not always physically present. So Michelle, I'd love to ask you, what's your advice for the business owner who's thinking, I want a connected team. I want people who who maybe aren't obsessed with our brand, but at least like working here, they're not going to quit, but they aren't always in office. What's the secret to connection there?
1: yeah so two things number one we really do need face-to-face so if you do have a totally remote workforce which a lot of companies i was just talking to salesforce their leaders and their employees said we want to stay remote so now they for quarterly they have in-person meetings same with qualcomm i worked with qualcomm during the pandemic anytime that there was a window between variants they would, they would COVID variants, they would fly their people in from around the world with masks and meet at a (laughs) A short window, (laughs) very short window for three (laughs) days each and say, it's worth the money. We need to get our people face-to-face. We need to come up with um, Mm. brainstorming, disruption, prioritization. We accomplished so much every quarter during the pandemic just by flying people in and working face-to-face. And it was really interesting, particularly with Qualcomm, Blake, because the chief marketing officer, Don McGuire, was just named by Forbes, one of the most innovative marketing officers. And he truly believes in connection. He he was so sweet and bought my book for everybody. And we did fireside wow. chats. And he said, because if we're going to, their their whole motto is connectivity. And he said, if we're going to go fast as the leading technology global technology company, we have to spend time with each other face to face. So if it was a three-day meeting, he would give me the entire first day to do small group exercises of sharing your um, biggest significant life event that affected Mm -hmm. you You know, taking personality assessments together, getting to know a common language. How do you operate? How do you communicate? What's your personality? What's your default, right? We spent an entire day doing these sort of exercises to build that trust and psychological safety so then they could come back the next day and blow everything up. And he goes, everything's on the table. I want you to disrupt everything. How we do business, who we do business with, how mm-hmm. we meet, when we meet. No meetings Fridays. No meetings Monday. How, let's let's blow it all up. And they did. Wow. And that's what I'm I'm really advocating now. In, in order to connect. We need face-to-face time if you're totally remote. If you do have a lot of these virtual meetings, use the breakout groups. They work with the breakout rooms. They work mm-hmm. really, really well in virtual meetings. And so Marshall Goldsmith, I mentioned to you, I'm a part of 100 coaches. So during the pandemic, every Monday from around the world, so there'd be about 55 of us on the call. We would show up for an hour. Marshall would kick it off with, here's the topic of the day or what's on my mind. And then he we, we would randomly go into these breakout rooms and share each other's stories, share advice on the topic. That's how you build community. Not, you know, Not showing up on a Zoom and being spoken to, but showing up on a Zoom and having time for collaboration and connection.
0: Well, for someone who, and, and and maybe this is a bit of a silly question, but I'm even thinking about the people who are um, this doesn't come natural to them, like the leaders who just and. and for those of you, I'm not saying that anyone maybe is like just a bad person, but just maybe it's just been modeled to them that, you know, you get to the point, you get to the agenda, you get through the meeting, um, you know, it is transactional because that's how they've learned it. Um, how hard is it in your experience for someone to learn the art of intentionality and slowing down and connecting Is uh, there hope for that person?
1: Absolutely. I'll give you an example. I coach a, a chief information officer and he, he said, Michelle, I, I, we just bought a new home and put in a pool. He said, I would love to have everybody come over for a cookout. He said, but my former boss told me I've got to keep things professional and that that you know blurs yeah. the lines. And I said, yeah. no, 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 throw that out the window. I said, that's just an old vestige from old times. I said, have your people over for a cookout. That is beautiful. And after he did, he goes, that's the best thing I've done in a long, long time because his whole work workforce remote. So, of course, this was an, you know, not everybody could could come in, but those who lived within, you know, 60 miles drove into the boss's house and had a cookout, and it was just delightful. So, yeah, you really do have to realize that, and, and I call it kind of extraordinary connection. You do have to be intentional and deliberate to say, um, for example, Halloween, you know, if you can't have an actual, when you know, come in your costume in the office. I, I had so many leaders who said, we're going to show up on a Zoom call and you're going to wear your costume. You know, we are going to have fun with this. Employee Appreciation Week, you know, they had games and and contests and you have to embed time for face-to-face connection and laughter and levity.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think something also that I'm, the subtext that I'm thinking about too, for you all who are listening is, um, I think another reason this is so challenging and Michelle, I'd love to hear your perspective on this, is when we talk about investing in your team, I just think of that word investing. investment. There's often a a financial cost. You mentioned the the Qualcomm team that flew people in. That is no cheap endeavor. And I think for those of us who are maybe wading into these waters for the first time, you have to understand that it's kind of like Michelle, I had someone who called me about advice for an employee appreciation party at the end of the year, because the sales had just like erupted. They'd done so well. And um, she said, I want to do an end of the year party. It's for 100 people uh, or 200 people. My budget is $100. And I was like, Okay. So you can't even afford food for them. But she was like, yeah, but that's our budget. And it, 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 I remember laughing in that conversation, thinking like, there's no way you can create intentional connection if you aren't willing to invest. Um, what's your take on that?
1: Oh, absolutely. I was just over at a girlfriend's house and her husband walked in and he runs a big company. And uh, he said, oh, Michelle, I'm so glad you're here. Have a glass of wine with me. I said, what's up? He goes, we're debating about the Christmas party. He goes, "A Christmas party is really expensive. He said, do we have to do it? And I said, well, I'm not (laughs) telling you what to do, but let me tell you what my research has uncovered, that in order to have really connected employees who are connected with your company, those rituals and traditions are so important. So yeah, you've had a tough year. But to give up the Christmas party, I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely keep the Christmas party and you have to move to a lunch rather than a big dinner soirée. Okay, do it, but keep those rituals and traditions to keep people connected. Don't don't give up the Christmas party.
0: How do you so I love this conversation of like being the leader who's initiating and creating these rituals and traditions? How do you create a work environment where the employees feel free to create their own rituals, to sort of like take part in this culture building process.
1: Yeah. A lot of my leaders, when I asked them that, they said, well, I'm going to put somebody in charge of culture. So, so when you're, you know, a high level executive, you should be about uh, strategic thinking and, and, and you should embed time in your operating rhythm for all that time. I'll never forget. Warner Thomas also said, Michelle, you coach a lot of my leaders. I pay them big bucks for their brains. Look at their calendars. If they don't have time embedded to strategically think and brainstorm, they're in trouble because that's Mm. what I'm paying them to do rather than just reacting, reacting, reacting. So a lot of my leaders, I'll say culture is incredibly important. I know you've got 2000 people under you and i would say what can you do and they'd say i'm going to put together a culture committee so i'm going to put somebody in charge of that and then they're going to get a you know they're going to ask around and do a survey how do you want to celebrate employee appreciation you know week how do you want to celebrate halloween what do you want to do about the christmas party and then you get feedback from everybody but yeah that and that also it's just because the leader's not in charge of it doesn't mean that it's not important now it represents the people
0: Right. No, I love that advice. Um, Michelle, this is exciting stuff. And I hope for those of you who are listening that you feel, um, I mean, I feel empowered only because I can see the direct, like you make it sound so, um, so easy in the sense of anyone can do it, and I hope you guys listening feel that same way. You know, you, you've published this amazing book, The Seismic Shift in Leadership. What's next for you? Is there going to be like a part two or a next book you're working on? Or you know, I know you're 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 you have incredible customers now that you're working through with. Um, what, what's next for you and your business?
1: Yeah, I want to really focus on how to build cultures of connection. That's what's next. So I think this book identified the seismic shift and talked about what no longer will work with this new generation and this new um, hybrid work environment. We know now what doesn't work. And I'm trying to create strategies or make sure that people understand the strategies. And I think the next big project is how do you really create an organization, a culture of connection?
0: Mm-hmm. One last question, that culture of connection, how much nuance is there when it comes to te- or coaching or, or leading, excuse me, leading a team of multiple generations because uh, I, I hear this a lot is from bosses who don't just say things like, you know, I'm a millennial and I'll have like maybe a customer who's like, you know, millennials are just awful. And I'm like, okay, well, thanks. Um, but I just heard from the other day that, you know, hey, Gen Z, it's just really tough to manage. And and I even think about one step past that people who are, are managing a multitude of generations, you're wearing a lot of hats. What does that culture building conversation look like when maybe there's a multitude of different values? There's people who want different things. Like how do you how do you balance all of that as a boss?
1: Yeah, so I'm developing right now a free connection assessment because what I've learned, Blake, is it really doesn't matter what generation you're in. As humans, we want to be seen, heard, valued and appreciated.
0: Wow, that's great.
1: And so um, you'll see it on my website. Hopefully by the end of the year, um, you can take a free connection assessment and also use the questions to ask your team. So I'm doing it for free with all of the clients that I coach. I, you know, I ask. I said, "Do you want to know how well you're connecting with your team?" I'm going to go ahead and send out a survey monkey asking these questions. You know, mm. do your people um, do they feel seen, heard, valued, and appreciated? No matter if they're a millennial a Gen Z, Gen X, you know, whatever they are, we as humans, we want to be seen, heard, valued, and appreciated.
0: I love that powerful words. And for our listeners, we're going to have uh, Michelle's website, michellekjonston.com down in the episode description below. This episode should be up around the start of the next year. So you should be able to find that, that connection assessment on her website. Uh, Michelle, thank you for joining me today. What What's the best way for people to connect with you?
1: Thank you so much. The listeners, I would love to hear from you. Um, please go to my website, michellekjohnston.com, and you can contact me. There's play, uh, You can buy the book. You can do a communication preference profile assessment, all kinds of great things. I also have a podcast called The Seismic Shift and continuing these discussions. But Blake, you were a fantastic host. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. Well, I appreciate you coming on today. I'm really excited to get some feedback on the episode and more importantly, motivate people who are listening to go out and connect with their teams. Uh, Michelle, it's been great having you on today. Thank you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Dr. Michelle K. Johnston on the podcast today, a management professor, executive coach, and leadership expert, and more importantly, the author of The Seismic Shift in Leadership. It's an Amazon bestseller. You can find it on Amazon. Also, you can find a link on her website and anywhere else you would buy books. And hey, if you're checking out the podcast and this is your first time listening to the podcast and you like the podcast, What the heck are you waiting on? Click the subscribe button and the follow button so you can keep getting good advice wherever you are and wherever you are in your business. And don't forget, you can always talk to me about checking out more information, not just on the podcast, but other things that are exciting things that we're doing through Good Advice and the Good Advice brand. You can find more info on our website and also via my email, blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. That's today's Good Advice and we'll catch you later. See ya.